0: Hello, 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 everyone. I am Sean Devaney from Heavy Sports, uh, covering the NBA, talking about the NBA, talking today about the Celtics with veteran uh, beat man Steve Bulpett. Steve, how are you? I am fine, sir. A little stuffy, so
1: I'll uh, won't sign, won't sound with my usual usual
0: dulcet tones. Yes, can get the words
1: straight. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. This would—I uh kind of wish my daughter was here because th- th- this would make her laugh hearing her, hearing you like this. Why? Right. So <laughs> wait a minute—you're telling she's me one thing like, that Stephen being ill
1: makes <laughs> your child <act>, happy, <laughs> brings your she's child. Here
0: <laughs> she's she's
1: not a. What nice are you kid. doing? I'm, wait a minute! She's making a call. DSS.
0: <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, we're here to talk about the Celtics uh, and uh check in with this team check in where they are we were right about the midway point in the season uh but let's let's take a look at what's been going on recently with this team you know one thing we talked about last week was uh the disaster that they had uh going up against the thunder where they let up 150 points and i think uh, at that point what we were, were were wanting to see is okay how does this team respond to that you know how do you bounce back from from yeah. what was uh, a pretty lackadaisical showing uh and what we've seen is five straight wins uh 118.9 offensive rating uh the defense 106.1 that's points per 100 possessions uh that's the best in the league in the last five games uh net rating 12.8 that's 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 a a way to say that they've bounced back uh pretty 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 well since that Oklahoma City game uh fair to say, Steve? Yeah, I think, you know, there was uh,
1: there was some discussion after that game mm. uh, between the coach and the team, and I think just kind of an embarrassment. Um, if you're the team you're supposed to be, you know how can you let this happen to you? Um, so I think I think there was a lot of that, and yeah. uh, and I think that, I think overall. <clears throat> Joe Missoula has convinced the, the, the guys to an extent that, um, you know, the defense is really – it needs to show up every night. And, um, you know, when you've got Marcus Smart and Derek White and now Rob Williams there, um, clearly those are three guys that, that kind of make your living there. Um, and I, I think that's improved things a lot. We, you and I talked earlier, and I'm sure it will come up again during the year, uh, when you have a team that can score as well as the Celtics, sometimes they fall in love with their with their offense. They fall in love with scoring. And if all of a sudden they miss a couple of shots, you know, the, the rest of the game goes to hell as well. And I think they're, they've done a better job recently of avoiding that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the offense was so good. It was such a juggernaut coming out of the gate that it was uh, – you know, easy to overlook the defense. I think a lot of people said, hey, wait, their, their defense is not – this isn't how they were winning last year. Uh, but, you know, I, I just looking at the numbers, Steve, so in October, uh, they were 22nd in defensive rating. Uh, November, that was 15th. They were number two in the league in defensive rating in December. They had the two rough games to open January, but but they have since those first since that Oklahoma City game, like I said, they've been first in the league in defense. Um, and, and you know, I, I think that this team still kind of carries the reputation that it is more focused on its offense than its defense. That's changed. Uh, you know, is it just a matter of the reputation catching up with the reality or, or is, is there still room for them to grow defensively?
1: Well, I think there's room to grow because they, you know, with Rob Williams still being integrated into the rotation, um, he was on certain restrictions minutes wise. Um, I think there's they still have to grow together more. Um, and you know you you've introduced Malcolm Brogdon into the mix, Um so yeah, I think they have to still there's still room to get better, mm-hmm. Um but I think it's really that the fact that the defensive guys have locked in that way, and that doesn't mean to say that Jason Tatum some and Jalen Brown is also, but Jason Tatum by the way has you know when he locks in has played some incredible defense, yeah. so. I think it's again just the realization that that uh, you know if if your shots aren't going in, it doesn't mean you have to flounder entirely as a team. I think um, they can still gather themselves and win games just with defense.
0: Yeah, and and rebounding has been another thing that has uh, pardon my uh, uh, my my pun usage here, but it has rebounded you know they've 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 certainly uh done better with the rebounding lately you know they were uh, a top 10 team in rebounding last year uh that slipped to 14 15 for most of the year uh but they've they've uh they've had 950 rebound games this season uh three of those came in their last five i think you know you know rebounding obviously is is a size it's a matter of of there's some skill to it. There's some, some, some mental acuity required uh, at the same time, a lot of its effort. And I think that, that, that their effort in general uh, has picked up as well.
1: Well, where do rebounds come from? You know, most likely they're going to be on deep, you know, you're more likely to get a rebound on the defensive end. So it's forcing missed shots. You know, you're talking about the number of, you know, rebounds more important perhaps would be the rebound percentage. percentage, But yeah, you know, yeah, rebounds are are largely want to uh, is a, is a want to stat. Um, position is important. We just lost a good friend, Paul Silas, who was a master at positioning and understanding. You know, mm-hmm. caroms the whole bit. But um, yeah, I I think that they've picked things up on in the on the dirty work side, and that's the thing that really needs to be there with this team i think if there's anything i've been critical of them with this season it's that they be they became an elite team and that they started to become elitist yeah. and you still have to you know do all the dirty work if you want to be where you know that's what got you there yeah. and if you forget that you know you get smoked by some by some teams that aren't nearly as good as you are
0: mm-hmm yeah Glad you mentioned Paul Silas. He was six foot seven, and yet was a dominant, dominant rebounder. Um, And I'm not sure Paul was six foot seven. Yeah, he was listed at six foot seven. That's right. Um, All right, uh, let's let's move on because you know we mentioned that that this is right around the midway point of the season for just about every team, Uh, and you know I think now would be a good time to get a temperature check. We've seen I think some some warts with this group. We've seen some uh, some some good stuff. Uh, where are you on where this team is now? You know what are what are some of the things that you really like uh, from what you've seen uh, in this roster and, and and the way they play?
1: Well, two things I'd say resiliency um, coming back after some bad games. Although that stretch uh, Orlando, Orlando, uh, yeah. Indiana at oh, home yeah. not great, but we warned you. Um, that you say we I,
0: you mean you right? Yes. Well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a team here. We're a ball <laughs> team. Right. You know,
0: I, I, you know, unless but, you're wrong, and then it's then it's just Steve.
1: Exactly. Uh, the second thing I'd say is depth. Um, that's <clears throat> adding Malcolm Brogdon changes a lot. Um, and the improvement of some, and Sam Hauser as well, although sometimes I worry that he's not going to get his minutes slash touches. And again, I'm not saying shots. But touches um, the depth has been huge. Uh, it's allowed them to uh, sustain through injuries. Slash um, Al Horford's nights off on the second night of a back to back. They're seven and zero on the second night of back to backs now. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think that's you know those are the two things that stand out. But the most important thing for this team right now. Um, you know, why you're saying that games in January are important. Sure. You, you definitely want to make sure that you do everything you can to keep the number one seed. Um, but it's building the habits, getting the, you know, when, when a few shots don't go in, what's your reflex? Mm-hmm. Is it to dig in on defense or is it to slump on defense? At times the shared it's been the latter. Yeah. And, uh, that's the kind of thing that will get you really, you know, uh, whacked in the. But I know. think
0: one of the things we're talking about here is that that's that seems to be changing, or or I don't know if I'd say it's fully changed, but it seems to be changing. And I, I wonder, um, you know, I think that if they weren't doing that, then a lot of this would come down on Joe Missoula. That that we'd say, uh, you know, he's not ma; he's an interim. They should, you know, it, it'd be all that sort of discussion. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for the fact that they are, and now look, these are experienced players. They've been together for a while. Um, you know, they don't necessarily need the coach to come down on them for that. Uh, but you know, I do think that, that Missoula deserves some credit, uh, for a, giving them the space to figure things out and then b, you know, especially you mentioned, you know, the reaction after the, the, the Oklahoma city game and, and, and surely some of the things that were said in practice, uh, film sessions and such. Uh, you know they've 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 responded, and and you got to give. He, he doesn't. He's maybe not as um, as the, the, his press conferences don't don't grab you quite the way MAs did, for instance. But uh, but but that's okay as long as the results are there. It looks like the results are there so far.
1: Yeah. Look, from everything I've been able to gather, Joe Missoula press conference versus Joe Missoula in the dressing room or talking to guys um, away from um from non-celtic guys uh, two different people um, yeah. I shouldn't say two different people, but there there is a difference um the things that he'll say uh, he, he keeps it fairly low key in the press conferences um, but yeah he has been uh, tough when needed, I'm told, um, in private situations with the team. So yeah, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit you, it's not, and one of the things that it's funny to me that he was criticized for and still to a degree happens is the not calling timeouts thing. Yeah. And like, that's again, something that um, we've talked about how Phil Jackson with his teams were like, hey, they got themselves into this, let them get themselves out of this. And I think fostering that type of self-reliance is a good thing. I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're ingraining that in players. Like, you know, how are we going to react when we screw up three possessions and the other team like live ball turnovers and they're going the other way for an easy deuce? How do we handle that? And instead of like, you know, looking over the sideline, getting them used to the fact that, Hey, we have to fix this. How do we do that? Let's go do it.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's how to handle a mature team, a team that's ready to win like the Celtics. It's funny. Cause uh, you know, I can remember Greg Popovich getting some of that criticism, uh, you know, when he had championship caliber teams and he would just let them, let them go much. Like you said, Phil Jackson. Uh, and, but if you watch pop coach the last few years where he's got this young team, uh, doesn't know what it's doing. Uh, he calls a lot more take calls, timeouts yeah. like a normal coach. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's a, uh, an important distinction i i've really i've been impressed with missoula i think uh um you know up and down you know i really uh uh i was a little skeptical about the fact that you know you're coming in with a guy with so little experience uh who hasn't had a whole lot of experience with other teams with other like fairmont state had been his only uh uh his only head coaching experience uh you know hadn't had but a lot of exposure to other to other systems other coaches uh but he's come in and he stepped in and he's done uh uh, about as well as could have been expected.
1: Yeah, I I wrote a while back on heavy.com, uh, Say a word for our people. That's called a plug. Um, yeah. That uh, there were people prior to the season, and even in the early parts of the season. But again, prior, that were telling me, "Look, this guy is a better coach than Ime Um And I was like, one of those you give him a, a look, and then you, but you file that away. So, you know, um, that he that Joe Mazzu is doing well shouldn't be a total surprise. It's not to a lot of people. Um, but, you know, here we are. I, I, if you look at the Celtic issues, at the things that, that have been wrong at times this year, they're the same things that have been wrong for the last five years. Yeah. Right? So uh, five-plus years, you know, um, reverting to hero ball. Uh, deflating on defense if a couple of shots don't go, um, you know, those are things that, that still need to – that were corrected more last year It got them to the finals, but things that reared their heads in the the, the last series and cost them the championship. Um, so as, as much as we say, well, things have been great lately, it's like, yeah, um, but you want to see it more consistently, mm-hmm. even more consistently, yeah. And you still have to, you know, there's still gonna be the the test under fire in the postseason. All right.
0: All right, we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk, uh we're gonna whine a little bit about uh, or or we're going to uh reflect some Celtic whining about uh MVP and 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 uh, mid season awards, which don't exist uh of course, but uh, uh you know for for a while for the first month and a half of the season, it looked like Jason Tatum was the favorite to be the MVP um, now, when you you have a lot of a lot of uh, folks putting out midseason lists, whether it's USA Today, NBC Sports, NBA.com, uh, pretty much it's been Luca across the board. Um, you, you know. Uh, Tatum is is probably third, running third or fourth at this point, which seems strange, uh, considering that the Celtics are not just the best team in the league, but they're they've got a three game lead in the East and uh, and two games overall for for being the best team in the league. Um, you know, where are you on the MVP thing? And and um, I don't know. Does it matter? I'm sure it matters to Jason Tatum. Obviously, it matters to Celtics fans. Uh, but you know, does it matter that at this point in the season, Jason Tatum isn't considered the MVP. That that maybe by the end of the year, uh, if the records hold, that uh, that that he'll get more momentum going. Um, procedural question, Sean: Are mm. we allowed to curse on this podcast? The, um, well, you know, keep it within reason. Let's say. <laughs> get ready, to you talk. Get ready, to, and you can say "heck."
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, here's um, here's my MVP give a heck meter. All right, <laughs> okay. Needle's yeah. not even twitching Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, I frankly, I, I think that. And look, I know it's a fun thing for people to talk about. Enjoy, you know, have at it. Enjoy, but in terms of um, what it says about the overall enterprise, which is what we're here for, right? What they're here for, but what we're here to, what we are here to judge and to chronicle. I don't think that that matters in the least. In fact, I'd go further to say that it would be better for the Celtics if Jason Tatum were maybe averaging a few points less. You look at Nikola Jokic and he's a two-time MVP and where are his numbers where are he, you know his numbers are because it's an all-around thing um, so I think Jason Tatum averaging mid-20s uh, with higher assist numbers and I'm not saying he needs to give the ball away mm-hmm. what I'm I guess what I'm pointing to is that um, teams are gonna are altering their defense on him particularly last night with Jalen Brown out the you know Jason Tatum struggled to score 20. That's because the nets were sending a second person at him and it didn't, you know, it didn't kill the Celtics vibe and that's the important thing. Um, He's still going to find ways to score, but if they're going to, if they're going to send an extra body at him, then great. Let somebody else score, Mm -hmm. you know, have them move the ball, have them, they're playing, if they're going to play three on four, the the opponent is going to play three on four away from jason tatum then punish them yeah you know punish the opponent so um yeah i i you know teams yeah load up on jason tatum and see what the celtics see how the celtics handle that and if it so happens that that tatum winds up with less gaudy numbers you know so be it
0: yeah you know I I I hear you on the give a heck uh, meter, give a shit meter, as it were. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! god. Uh, but yeah, you know, um, you know, when 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 the boss breaks the you know breaks the face, yeah, yeah, that's uh, when the boss shows up, let me know. Uh, but you know, when 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 we get into a situation, uh, you know, for one thing, look, uh, the MVP is a. Part of history, you know. I mean, if you if you win it, then then you are etched into NBA history. Uh, I think there have been some grotesque violations of of uh, of of, uh, in terms of players who won MVP. That's fine. Uh, But the other thing that's happened now, though, is that it is part of for for a lot of these players. You know, Jalen Brown. You think of him making All NBA. That's going to make a huge difference in terms of. Uh, what he could be paid, and yeah. and so we've 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 tied it up in such a way that you kind of gotta care at this point. Well, in here's, here's the thing, with with regard to Tatum, I think uh,
1: having said that it might be better off for the Celtics if he scored, yes. you know, a few right. fewer. I, I think that it would it would show. I, again, I gave up my voting on these things years ago because I I have ethical issues with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. separate, separate issue, separate story, um, but I think it would be it would make voters look really good if a uh, a Jason Tatum with again less gaudy numbers were to be voted the MVP. I think it would be a recognition of here's what happened, here's what got thrown at him, and he still managed to he managed to make his team better, you know, in different ways. Um,
0: Yeah, I I think think Jokic is a good example of that. You know, he should probably. uh, To me, um, I would probably have uh, Tatum second. Uh, And I'd have Jokic first, you know, even ahead of Luka. Uh, because to me, you know, and, and I don't think he'll win three in a row. I think people don't like voting for the same guy; they get bored, which is another problem with it. Right? I mean, that's a problem with the MVP. Well, let's not voting because we're bored. What uh, you know, Jokic is averaging twenty-four point seven points, which is the fewest in the last three yeah. years. If he were to win the MVP, but I'd argue he's playing the best. You know, this is the this has been the best of his three years. He's averaging nine point seven assists. He's shooting sixty-two percent. Think about that. This is the MVP. This is, you know, the, the the guy that they run everything through and he's still managing. You know, 62 percent is what you shoot when you're a center just doing doing putbacks and uh, and lobs. I mean, that, you know, that's that's typical. This guy is shooting 62 percent. That's that's pretty incredible. And I think that kind of gets to your point that if Jason Tatum were scoring a little bit less but being more efficient and getting other people involved more—not uh, that he doesn't—and and, and, you know he's no, been good at all that stuff. But this, and, it, and then that 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 would be better.
1: Yeah, and and it would be good if there was a recognition on the part of the people that judge these things yeah, that sure. hey, he's scoring a little bit less, but he's playing better and he's he's contributing more to the enterprise of winning. Um, than just some guy out there firing up, you know, firing up shots. Yeah. Um, and, look, let's be honest, too, that these in-season measuring sticks of, you know, like, in, like in-season polling of where the MVP race is <clears throat> are largely uh, impacted by, you know, a guy had a, had a, a couple of huge games this week, right. you know, um, hit a couple of crazy shots. Luca last night. You know, recency bias. Who's not going to say Luca
0: today yeah. after what right. he did last oh, night? Yeah, that 60-point that triple-double, and, and yeah. I think that that's something that yeah. moved him up in a lot of people's minds and has kept him there since.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, taking a step back and saying, like, if the Celtics finish with clearly the best record in the league and you look at, at Jason Tatum and the efficiency numbers and you look at his um, not just assist totals – because sometimes he won't get the assist. Uh, it's when the double team comes and he moves the ball
0: yeah. and
1: it, he gets like a so-called hockey assist. Yeah. That's the, that's the critical play. When he quickly moves the ball away from a double team and it, you know, it, it leads up, up to a pass and another pass and an easy bucket, well, the guy that scored gets credit for the points. The guy that passed it to him last, Gets credit for the assist, but yeah. who made the play? Who was what? What action? What specific action was most important to that scoring play? And it might have been uh, Tatum uh, not only seeing the double, but welcoming it <clears throat> and waiting until the guy comes, the second player, second defender comes close enough so that that second defender can't recover, and then making the pass. Yeah, among the great things that Tim Duncan did as a player was that not only did he beat double teams, he punished them. Yeah, you know, he he didn't just make the right pass; he didn't just make the pass. He made the the right pass, the one that killed the other the other team.
0: Yeah, um, and then so like would, twice a game, he would split the double and get a layup, and that yeah. that just screwed up everybody. Now they didn't know what to do. He'd like just yeah. do it a couple times, just enough to where you like didn't know what was coming with him that was always i always appreciated the way he handled double teams. i remember a
1: bunch of years ago this you know this coach telling me um <clears throat> look everyone talks about there's you know the kobe's this that whatever and there were other guys that were that were shinier flashier all that stuff but he said look you give me one my first pick i'm taking the big fundamental
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know
1: um yeah. and it's funny Among the ways, and I don't mean to go off on a a Tim Duncan tangent. um, Too late. Well, (laughs) here we are. We're Uh, here. (laughs) One of the ways that that Tim Duncan made the San Antonio Spurs a championship team, not just, you know, shooting, not just uh, um, points, rebounds, assists, all that stuff. He allowed Greg Popovich to yell at him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Pop used to say that you know, first day of practice, whenever they were like, like training camp, first day, first day, he would find something and he yell at Tim Duncan so that all the new guys could see that he was yelling at Tim Duncan. If I can yell at Tim Duncan, he's just going to yeah. nod his head. I can yell at you too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that that all, I mean, if Tim Duncan, as as a young coach, Greg Popovich is there, and Tim Duncan doesn't allow him to yell at him, where's Pop? Yeah, right now. It's no, good. You that's know, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and and to Greg Popovich's credit, he recognizes that he's, mm-hmm. he's got enough self awareness to know that, you know, here's
0: who he is. And yeah. Um, yeah. And, a, you know. So basically, Rick Patino, uh, if things had worked out for him in 1997, he would have been Greg Popovich because he was supposed to get Tim Duncan. So right oh. now, Patino would be in his 24th year coaching, right? I've look.
1: Let's see, Patino tangent. Um, (laughs) I've you know spoken, written a couple stories about Patino since I went out to Louisville and did one when he was coaching there, and did one more recently. Um, But Rick Patino, he he has admitted the mistakes he made in Boston, wanting things too fast, and making moves that were you know designed to, to get a a quick return that mm-hmm. ultimately you know ruined things here uh in, in Boston um so he's he's copped all his issues and uh you know he was given a, you know uh, enough leeway and but but he just wanted it too fast and and that I think comes from being in the college game and knowing you way out of things and a guy you know if you've got really good players they're not gonna stay long anyway. Right, um, right, right, But he you can turn was trying it all to Make moves to fix things too fast on a team that had bottomed out. Yeah. So um you know I don't I don't I don't use I seeing his flaws, I still find it hard to use Patino as the easy punching bag.
0: Oh come on <laughs> Have a little fun. All right, let's 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 move on to uh, 2023, uh, which is where we are, and we're gonna go <laughs> and talk to you, talk Wait about. A minute, are, you, are you serious? I'm saying, can you believe it? Uh, let let's let's uh, you know. I thought it would be a good time <sighs> to check in on a couple of guys who were Celtics lottery picks uh, and just didn't pan out. See where they are now. Did the Celtics screw up? uh did uh did they screw up um you know was it a matter of let's just take a look one is Aaron Neesmith he's getting a chance to play in Indiana yeah he's playing a pretty good role for them you know he's 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 been a starter um and and I think if you look at him at best you'd say he's been average this year, you know, he's been sort of an average wing guy. Um, you know, last 14, he started most of those games, he's averaged uh 13 points, 5 right. rebounds, got 50% from the field, 38% on threes. Uh, you know, looks to me like a decent serviceable role player. Um, is that do you think that that's fair to say and that that's probably what what Aaron e. Smith was always going to be in the NBA? well
1: um if you look at what it's capable was he ever going to be uh aaron eastman's coming Was was ever going to be an all-star mm-hmm. you know when you drafted him did you think oh this guy's going to be you know a, a number one or two player on your team and an all-star
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but having said that i would look at this season in terms of opportunity to play as being his rookie year yeah um so I, I would, you know, I'd wanna see what he does next year. Uh the good thing about him is he's still, you know, and, and he's not gonna be a prime guy in that system either or in that rotation either. You know, they've got other people that, that are gonna have the ball more. Um what I like what I liked about him when he was in Boston and still like about him is that um he, you know, he's a shooter type, right? He comes in, I'm i I'm a shooter. But he gives you like max on the other end of the floor, you know. He's giving you, he's making effort plays, um, so you know. Uh, even if he is a serviceable player in a rotation, and I think he'll get better, um, that's still not a bad thing. Uh, when you look at the uh, the batting average of guys that are taken, you know, uh, late lottery, uh, yeah, you know. There's there's a lot of major league swings and misses there. Sure, Yeah, um, but if he's a guy that that's a rotation player and uh, uh, is helping a team win and look, he's he's been a positive for a, for a team that wasn't expected to do I don't think as well as it is.
0: Yeah, and and uh, yeah, and and he certainly played a big role for them. Uh, man, I remember that draft. I, I knew one of the coaches who had been at Washington. <coughs> he just said uh you know Isaiah Stewart is is a guy that you want on your team not the flashiest numbers but just has that certain toughness uh man if the Celtics had had him uh with that number 14 pick and and I don't think that they were really considering him at that point but uh you know he got picked a few a, a few picks later just to have a guy like that as uh, as your backup for for Rob and Al Horford man that'd be uh, that'd be good but let's let, let's he's talk about another guy uh, and that's that's Romeo Langford dra- drafted same spot number 14 a year before uh he's been getting some playing time too um you know did not see him much in boston obviously uh let's see starting more lately he's averaged 9 points 3.4 rebounds as a starter which isn't great but you know 50% shooting 33% on threes good defensive player uh, much like Neesmith. smith not taking the league by storm, but again, you know, a decent role player, fair to say. Yeah. And he, um,
1: in his Celtic tenure, he kind of got, he was a victim of injuries early. And even later on, when they made trades last year, uh, last year, um, there was some stuff that was designed to get Romeo Langford more opportunity. And then he gets hurt again. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I think what's kind of funny is that uh, I mean he, he plays a good game but he doesn't look like he's he doesn't look like he's giving the same effort as a guy like uh like Neesmith. but Greg popovich has even said recently that look you you've, you've got to he says I had to realize that even though he looked like he was blase about stuff that he was actually getting stuff done you know just had Mm -hmm. that look about him like yeah i'm I'm here and i'm playing some buckets and Mm -hmm. but no he you know he's a good player um and as that team grows if he still gets opportunities he can be one of those guys whether it's as a starter or even just as a as a prime rotation guy a prime guy off the bench that's going to be able to come in the game uh give you offense plays better defense than than people i think give him credit for Mm -hmm. um but he's going to be able to you know, extend your rotation, which is important. Are you seeing that with the Celtics right now? And one other thing I want to throw in here is that when we're looking at these guys um, and the importance of a guy like that, or, you know, even though say, well, it's a lottery pick, you know, you, you can't expect all, maybe your higher, your one, two, and three, four guys that, yeah, they should be, you know, uh, fighting for all-star berths every year, but, How important to the Celtics right now is – I think it gets overlooked a lot – is Grant Williams. Right. I mean, he's hugely important to this team. Um, You know, being able to fill different roles um, gives you offense, gives you defense, gives you hard fouls to dole out. Um, You know,
0: his his nose has been in a a lot of stuff this year for this (laughs) team.
1: And, yeah, and it's, it's,
0: it's funny to think of that, you know, when so the Celtics did the swap with the Sixers uh, uh, in that in that draft and the Sixers wind up with uh, Matisse Thybul and, and, and certainly as a rookie and, and maybe a year and a half in, uh, you know, a lot of people say, wow, geez, Theibel would have uh, the Celtics, you know, messed up by 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 not uh, just keeping him and, and by instead getting Grant Williams. Now, you know, Thybul can't get in the game. Uh, and, and, and the Celtics are, are relying as much as they are uh, on Grant Williams.
1: Yeah, I mean, but there's but there's a guy, not even a lottery pick, a late first or later mm-hmm. first-round pick. Um, again, you know, we're looking at we, – we talk about uh, Jason Tatum. We talk about Jalen Brown and uh, <clears throat> the um, Marcus Smart's Defending Defensive Player of the Year and Malcolm Brogdon, what a pickup he's been. And Derek White now, uh, people are really tuning into his game and the subtleties that are there. Um, all these other guys we're talking about, but when you look at the, your, you know, the Swiss Army knife, it's kind of been Grant. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know is a fantastic on the you know, his outside shot uh, gets to the bucket well gets to the line defensively, he's, you know, he's bodying up bigger guys. He's out guarding smaller guys. Those are guys that, you know, those are guys you win with. Yeah. You know, yeah. we need yeah. something. Okay, get in there. It's like, you know, uh, yeah. if you're a chef, there are certain ingredients. the end I know what they are. But they, they always can, you know, make something, you know, we're, we're struggling here. Throw some of that in. It'll make it taste good. <laughs>
0: salt, Steve. It's always salt. Uh, (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's, uh, you know, the interesting thing about those guys about uh, Neesmith and Langford, you think about, um, you know, those two guys, Daniel Tice, uh, uh, Josh Richardson, first round pick, uh, another first round pick and a first round swap uh, in, in three years now, um, you know, that's all resulted in Brogdon and Derek White. So, uh, you know, you got to wish Smith and Langford well, but, uh, but man, you know, the Celtics did not give up that much to get two guys who have been, uh, you know, pretty essential in, in, in where they are right now. Well, the guy you gave up to me in the, the Derek White thing was Josh Richardson.
1: And he hasn't he, had a great year. I mean, he's been – you know, Derek White's been much better this year than yeah. Richard's. I mean, but, but you know, you can make an argument about, you know, who's the better shooter and all these different yeah. things. And and Josh can play. Um, but, look, I, the way I wrote about it at the time was that, okay, if he's the guy you've identified, Derek White, it, and this is the guy you want and you think he's the one that's going to make the diff- you know, a big difference for you, then, yeah, go overspend for it because yeah. – You know, in in the NBA, the old uh, adage is um, four quarters don't equal a dollar. You know, if you get the one guy that you think is the person, then give up what you need to give up.
0: Right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And they've done that. And, uh, you know, certainly they've benefited. Uh, Let's move on. I want to I want to give a little shout out here. Uh, We're going to go to the G League, Steve, uh, and uh, and talk about uh, the main Celtics. Who were seven and zero? They started the year seven and zero. They lost uh, uh, to Delaware as a shootout, a big game. I think it was like one hundred and forty-five to one hundred and thirty-five. It was ridiculous. Uh, but now they're seven and one. You know, and 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 they've had some guys who are putting up pretty good numbers, and it's not a terribly difficult thing to do for NBA caliber players uh, playing in the G League. But still, uh, Kevin Geely, who's a guy who I thought we would have seen a little bit. Uh, By this point, I think the fact that Cornette's been good, the fact that Blake Griffin's been good has kind of made him, uh, you know, a little bit less, uh, uh, a little bit less of an option for them. But he's averaged 21 points, 64 percent shooting, 10 rebounds. Uh, Luka Shamanich, who, um, you know, uh, has been a a guy with great potential, but, you know, just defensively is is not quite there. But, you know, he had 45 points the other night, 23 and a half points, 8.3 rebounds. Um, you know, those guys who the Celtics picked up uh, in the offseason, you know, have, have looked very good. Denzel Valentine, you know, has has looked good too. Uh, you know, 14.7 points. He's made 46 percent of his threes. Um, you know, there's 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 definitely some potential there for guys who could help out this team uh, if need be. Do you see any any situation where any of those guys winds up uh, uh, playing any kind of role, even if it's, uh uh, you know, not so, You know, you're not going to see these guys in the playoffs, obviously. Uh, but, but you know, to, to to help carry this team through depth-wise uh, here in the regular season, I've, if you see some injuries,
1: you could see some guys coming up. But I think now the Celtics are struggling to make sure that the guys they have currently at toward the end of the bench are getting enough opportunity. Yeah. And when you look at you know Kevin Gelli, uh Shamanich, these other guys, Denzel, even. Uh, If you're bringing him here, what are you bringing him here to
0: fix? Uh, I I I think, and I I would say, if anybody has a chance to actually, you know, get some some run, it would be Valentine because he does have NBA experience. Uh, uh, He was not great in the NBA, of course. That's why he's in the G League now. Uh, But you know, if, if if he could be a consistent three point shooter, he plays good enough defense. Um, you know that uh, that that there's a chance. You know he's he could be a better player than Justin Jackson. Uh, and and again, you know Jackson's not playing either. He uh, saying, but, is you say you're going to bring him here.
1: What's he going to? You know, yeah. Is, is he going to get in the game? Are there going to be minutes for him? Look, right now you're lucky with a guy like Peyton Pritchett, um, who is getting. You know, you can argue about whether he should get more minutes here or there, whether or just at least a consistent look every game to keep. You know to keep in rhythm what what i mean by saying that you're lucky with him is that he's a guy that doesn't seem affected by the dnps yeah he's going to come out not just the effort you can you should be able to you know expect and demand that from everybody that you put on the floor but um he works so hard pre-game practice etc that he comes out there and he's he's still manages to have confidence with the ball, with his shot, in limited opportunity. And that, having that confidence in that situation is really rare in mm-hmm. the NBA even. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and
0: we've seen that with guys who, you know, they, they get popped out of the rotation and and then they can't get back in. You know, Nismich we talked about earlier uh, was a guy who, you know, you said this a million times last year, uh, that you can't expect him to leave the rotation and come back and, and be the player you want him to be, uh, Pritchard does seem to have that ability. Yeah,
1: and the other night um, was the Wednesday game against whom? Um, New, Orleans. New Orleans. Yes. Uh, uh, Pritchard comes in the game, 11 seconds in, gets his first touch, fires it up three, good. Yeah. Um, I think it was the end of the – Third quarter, uh, end of one of the quarters, um, he gets the ball, and there's a lot of guys in the NBA that will not take the the half court prayer, the heave, the heave, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's like it's gonna mess with my shooting. There, right. trust me, that's a thing. You say, oh, it's one shot." There are guys in the sleep; they don't, you know. You've seen them put the ball down. You know, <laughs> um, I remember
0: talking just a quick aside about a former Celtics, Troy Murphy. Said that he would purposely wait until the red thing would go off and then heave it and say, "Oh, geez, I just, I just." But he didn't want because he knew that would hurt yeah. his
1: shooting percentage. But like good friend Dana Barrows, not doing it, you know. Yeah. Right,
0: uh, right. But
1: getting back to Pritchard, at the end of that, end of one of those quarters, um, gets it, and it was I think the shot, the attempt ended up being from fifty-four feet, so he's beyond half court. He gets it. Oh, I got a chance for an FGA. It's going up. Yeah, you know, right. I think he, yeah. he didn't miss by much, um, but you know, but having that guy that that comes into a game and doesn't need to get, you know, a couple of minutes to to get in the flow, he yes. is the flow. Yeah, right. And that's right. you know, I I think that they made a mistake in not playing him more in the finals, just as someone. Well, first of all, I get the ball out of Tatum's hands when you're bringing it from the back court. You, you know having Tatum bring the ball up against pressure was a huge mm-hmm. mistake with, with during that series mm-hmm. uh, you saw it reflected in Jason's fourth quarter numbers but <clears throat> um, having a guy like like Pritchard who can, who's gonna come in and he's gonna alter the flow and something you guys don't get to regularly see but the the dressing room dynamic yeah um, you know uh, it's it's him um, Blake Griffin, Cornette, they are like uh, those three are together in one spot. Uh, Hauser's right there, um, and but they're talking and they're joking and they're you know like they've got their own thing, so they're 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 holding themselves accountable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like oh damn the coaches in play. They're like okay yeah we're part of this team. This is we may not be with the fir- the starters, we may not be with the first three guys that come off the bench, but here's here's our unit. You know, and
0: here's what we're going to do. And
1: here's how we're going to keep ourselves ready.
0: All right. Last thing for you, Steve. Uh, last thing for me. Uh, again, I'm Sean Devaney from Heavy Sports. Uh, we cover the NBA. That's Steve Bolpet, longtime Celtics beat writer who covers all things NBA for us. Um, you know, let's let's look at uh, uh, the Celtics opponent this weekend, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, it has been a woe gone season for Charlotte. Um, is there any chance that our old friends, our old Celtics friends, uh, Gordon Hayward, and I know you've talked to him about this a little bit, uh, and Terry Rozier uh, can get out of Charlotte? Uh, you know, this is a team that that, that clearly is in need of a, uh, a teardown and a rebuild. Uh, do you see those guys going anywhere in the next month? We've got the trade deadline, of course, early February next month. I don't think it's out of the question at all. Um mm.
1: Look, when, when the Miles Bridges thing happened, um, you know, we can get into how, you know, disgusting, how terrible that kind of stuff is. Um, that really, you know, threw a wrench into uh, the prospects for the Hornets this year. And they were just looking to take another step up the food chain, right? Yep. And, you know, that and the injuries, uh, Ball's injury, you um, they've kind of, they've they've been derailed. Uh, the question is, do the Hornets think, does Michael Jordan think that, oh, there are a couple of moves I can make that can save this? Or does he say, look, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, with Bridges gone and it was a, a report that they were talking to him about coming back. Mm-hmm. And if they did ever bring him back, he'd still be facing a suspension from the league. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the the hornet said no we, we weren't talking to him right right um so uh do they just decide look you know it's we're we're trying to you know plug holes in a boat that's taken on water here you know yeah. it's time to to go in and uh shop for uh you know for a, a new a new seagoing vessel
0: yeah from from what i've heard you know that that the front office there mitch kupchak and uh and friends would would be open to hey let's 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 do a, let's, let, let's bring this down and start over here. Um, you know that, but that Michael Jordan just doesn't want to approach things that way. He does not want to get into the, the Wimbledon Derby. Uh, fact is they're, they're, they're looking, looking like they're going to get into it, whether they like it or not. Uh, you know, so they could maybe make things easier on themselves, but uh, you know, it, it, it won't be easy to trade Hayward. He's got a, a $31 million commitment for next year. Uh, they gave Rozier the extension, so he still has $75 million left uh, for the next three years after this season, which which might not look that bad. I mean, he's played pretty well, and it might not look that bad, especially when you get uh, a new TV deal in and such. Uh, but, uh, but still at this point, I think it's going to be tough for them to move those two guys if they even decide that that's what they want to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, they've got moves to make. Um, what's funny though is you know, you're saying how the the uh, the Hornets are going to uh, look like they're going to be in the the Yama uh, sweepstakes, even though they kind of didn't want to be. On the other hand, you've got Utah who wants who to wants be,
0: to be in. in, in. <laughs> so now I, I
1: think back to the, you know during the playoffs in the mid '80s when uh, during the series when Michael Jordan and Danny Ainge go out and play golf together, you know opposing right. players. Maybe they could get together here and like swap, you know.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And we swap, swap records. Record
1: right, here, right. You know, uh yeah. I'm not sure the league allows those kind of trades to happen. We'll, we'll have to go with the uh, the trade like They like find
0: a, a second round pick, like that's all that you could do whatever you want. You're just gonna <laughs> find a second round pick.
1: Yeah. We're, we're right, trading on it. the today, the Utah Dre, Jazz and uh Charlotte Horns have agreed to swap records. <laughs> Um, Well, I
0: appreciate it, Steve. I appreciate everybody uh, checking us out here uh, at the Celtics Collective, Uh, heavy.com. Check us out for all your NBA coverage, all your Celtics stuff. Uh, You know, we've got uh, a lot of exciting new stuff. We've got the trade deadline uh, just a month away. Uh, Steve's going to be all over that. I'm going to be making calls. So uh, do check us out and do see uh, what's coming up next at heavy.com. Uh and if you like the podcast then give us a follow and uh and and you'll know that you'll be able to listen to us next week. Hey, next go, go read go read the
1: stuff as as yeah. Ludo said to uh Pinto and Flounder as they walked in the door at Delta House, right? Um you know, go hey, have a beer. Don't cost nothing. <laughs>